I love this team of women. Like, who needs Pastor Rusty and Kurt, right? No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell him I said that. But no, I do love this. So um, good morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Ashley Ramirez. I am Pastor Rusty and Vicki's daughter and Pastor Kurt's sister. And I will be preaching this morning since Dad and Kurt and a lot of our other men are on their way back from men's retreat this morning. Um, before we get started, though, let me tell you a little bit something about men's retreat. I'm going to kind of add to what Megan said. Um, men's retreat is such a good opportunity for your husband to get ministered to. And they don't just go um, to ride and fish and eat and have fun, right? God moves at men's retreat. And if your husband went this year, expect for him to come back a changed man, okay? Expect for him to come back a healed man. Expect for him to come back a man of God. Expect something that happened for him. Now, that's a mistake I made for years. I always thought, oh, they just go for fun. And I never expected anything out of God for Arthur. And then one year I was like, God, I need you to do a work in my husband. And he came back a changed man. He came back a man of God. So don't miss an opportunity to benefit from the work God has done this past weekend in your husband or your brother or your dad. And like Megan said, you don't have to drill them, but just expect something out of them. Okay. Um, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray over the men this morning as they drive back from men's retreat. I pray that your angels surround them, Lord. Um, I just pray that you guide me, that your Holy Spirit guides me this morning, Lord. I just thank you for this opportunity, and I pray that you speak through me. Um, In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, so about six weeks ago, I preached for the first time on the book of Ruth, and um, I had really felt like God had laid that message on my heart and that I should share it. And after that Sunday was over, I was like, whew, okay, I did it. I felt like it went good, and I thought, I won't ever have to do that again. And as you can see, that didn't quite work out. (laughs) So after I preached that Sunday, we went to Red River for vacation, and people were messaging me, I'm like, messaging my mom and posting on Facebook asking when part two would be. And I was like, uh, there is no part two. That was it. Did they not hear the ending? Um, but there is two more chapters to the book of Ruth. So if you missed the first part, um, I'm going to do a quick review and catch everyone up. And then we are going to dive into the second part of Ruth. Um, so a quick review. There are four main characters in the book of Ruth. There is um, Elimelech, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Now, Elimelech and Naomi are an Israelite family, and they live in Bethlehem. They have two sons named Malon and Kilion. And in chapter one, we learn that a severe famine has come upon Bethlehem. And instead of trusting God to provide, Elimelech picks up his entire family and moves them to Moab. Now, Moab was not the place for a godly family to live. They're serving false gods. There's prostitutes. They're building idols. It's just not the place you would pick up your family and move. Now, while living in Moab, Naomi loses everything. Her two sons marry Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. But while living in Moab, Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion all die. So Naomi loses her husband and her two sons. Now, We've all been a Limelech, right? We talked about this last time. Instead of trusting God, we pack up our stuff and we move to Moab, right? When our marriage is falling apart and nothing is going right, instead of staying in Bethlehem and trusting God, we pack up all our stuff and we move to Moab. Or when God isn't answering that prayer we've prayed for years, we say, fine, God, I'll take care of this myself. And we start packing our suitcase, right? We start putting our depression, our hurt, our anger, and we start walking to Moab. 
Or when your job is falling apart and you think, "Mm, God isn't big enough to fix this, and we move to Moab. Now, Pastor Rusty did a little more research on Moab, and he found out something very interesting. Moab was an oasis in the desert, okay? Moab was not a broken down, dirty, dusty city. When people were traveling through the desert, when they saw Moab in the distance, it was green, it had ponds of water, it had nice structures and buildings. So travelers were tempted to stop there. Now, behind all the flashiness and beautiful scenery, there was sin, right? There was prostitution, drunkenness, they're serving false gods and building idols. Now, I can think of a place here in America that kind of sounds like Moab, I'm kind of don't want to say it because some of us go on vacation there, right? Uh, but Las Vegas, I've, ter- I've told Arthur before, I want to go to Las Vegas and see the lights and see the pond with the water and go through the slides with the sharks and see the hotels and see the lions and tigers in the, in the lobbies, okay? But behind all the flashiness and the attractions, there's sin, right? And I'm not saying... It, Don't, you are not a sinner living in sin if you've been to Vegas, okay? But what I do know is in Vegas also is drunkenness and gambling. And you know what I know? I know that alcohol ruins people's lives. I know that when you gamble too much, it ruins people's lives. I know that prostitution and strip clubs ruins people's lives, okay? So that's what Moab was was like. Now, I'm going to get real with you for a minute. Are you ready? There are some people who go live and play in Moab during the week and the weekend, and they walk to Bethlehem at church to go to church on Sundays, okay? Just because you're here this morning, just because I'm here this morning, doesn't mean you live in Bethlehem, okay? You can live in Moab or live in Bethlehem, but your heart is in Moab, right? It's not about you. It's about on the inside. So let me tell you, you are playing a dangerous, dangerous game when you live in Moab for the week and you only come to Bethlehem on Sundays. It's hard staying in Bethlehem. It's hard serving God all week. It's tempting to move and live in Moab. But let me encourage you, stay in Bethlehem this week. Okay? When you stay in Bethlehem, God is going to come through for you. God is going to give you that peace that you're longing for. God is going to, to heal you and restore you. Amen? All right. Is it easy to stay in Bethlehem? No. Right? But when you do, all the goodness and grace and love from God comes your way. Now, after Naomi has died, she and her two Moabite daughters travel back to Bethlehem. Along the way, one of her daughter-in-laws, Orpah, she turns her back and she goes back to live with her own family in Moab. But Ruth commits to stay with Naomi. Now, in chapter two of Ruth, where we ended last time, Ruth has met an honorable and wonderful man named Boaz. And he has allowed her to work in his fields and take much as much grain as she wants. And throughout chapter two, he shows her grace, he prays over her, he serves her, and he gives her undeserved favor. We are going to finish up at the end of chapter 2 by reading verses 19 through 20. And we're going to be reading a lot of scripture this morning. So in end of chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law, 
about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Now notice that Naomi said Boaz was one of their family redeemers. Let me explain what that means. In this time, there was a law of the kinsman redeemer, and there were four qualifications which were necessary for a man to fulfill the role of a kinsman redeemer. Number one, he must be a kinsman, which means that he must be related to the person that he's redeeming. It had to be a blood relative. Two, he must be free himself. So he could not be a slave, and he had to be free of the debt and of the bondage which had fallen on the one who was to be redeemed. Three, he must be able to pay the price, okay? He had to have the sum of money to pay the purchase price. So you could not be poor and be a kinsman redeemer. You had to have the money. And then four, the biggest one, he must be willing to pay the price, okay? He had to be willing to make the sacrifice of paying the price. I imagine that there were people with a number of rich uncles who were not willing to pay the price. So a kinsman redeemer was a relative who delivers or rescues a disadvantaged family member. And Naomi knows she's related to Boaz and that he could be their kinsman redeemer. Now we're going to continue in verses 21 through 23. It says, then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he says, my daughter, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. So Naomi's excited. She's like, oh good, you can work in his fields, only stay in his fields, gather grain. Um, Boaz is showing her lots of favor. And then Naomi comes up with this crazy plan to secure her and Ruth's future. And we're going to read that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. We're going to find out what Ruth and Naomi do. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Smart mother-in-law, right? She was like, don't approach him until he's full, until he's eaten and had something to drink. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Okay, so Naomi isn't going to let this open door pass them by. She's one of those meddling mother-in-laws who was like, let me help you hook you up, okay? She was like, get dressed, put on perfume, make sure he's eating and drinking, right? She wants them to get together, right? So um, we're going to read verses 7 through 9 to find out what Ruth does. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. 
Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Now, when you first read this, you're thinking, whoa, Ruth, like, what are you doing here, right? She was not trying to bust a move on on Boaz. There was no sexual relation that went on this night, okay? She was not trying to do anything. When she says, spread the corner of your covering over me, this was a customary way of asking a man to provide the protection of marriage. And this is how Boaz responds to her in verse 10. He said, the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him, and if he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. Okay, he they didn't want people to see Ruth get up and leave. They didn't want rumors around town. Boaz was an honorable man and didn't want people to think that something had happened. Then before she leaves, he gives her six scoops scoops of grain and blesses her before she leaves. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? She's like, give me the scoop. What happened? Like, did it, did it work? And Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter. Until we hear what happens, the man won't rest until he had settled things today. Now, Boaz is clearly impressed with Ruth and agrees to marry her, but there's only one problem. There's another kinsman redeemer who is more closely related than he is. Now, Naomi is not worried about this. In the last verse, she says, the man won't rest until he had settled things. So Naomi trusts him and knows that he will take care of this. Um, and now, Boaz has to meet with this man who is more closely related, and this happens in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know, Naomi, who came back from Moab, she is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. So he's like, yeah, I'll buy the land. I want to add to my estate. I'll take it for sure. But then Boaz has a plan up his sleeve. Look what he mentions next. Then Boaz told him, 
of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on your husband's name and keep the land in the family. And then he changes his tune. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land, I cannot do it, okay? So once this man finds out that he has to marry Ruth and have children with Ruth and take care of Ruth and split his estate with Ruth, he's like, oh, no, 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 never mind. You, you, you can have it, right? Which is a good plan for Boaz. Now, we're going to go, oh, let me finish this. It says, now in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses. Today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. So what Boaz just did is he's joyfully proclaiming that he legally sealed the transaction and that he would redeem both the property and best of all, take Ruth, the woman he loved as his wife. Then he says, then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar in Judah. Now, the people pray a blessing over them that they would be, that Ruth would be like Rachel and Leah. And Rachel and Leah at one point had closed wombs. They could not bear children. And God opened their wombs and enabled them to conceive. So the people were proclaiming that God would open Ruth's womb so that she could bear children and build up the house of Israel. Now, We're going to get to the best part, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It says, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman at the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if her if as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Now, I want to remind you that Ruth was just an everyday typical woman, okay? She didn't kill a giant. She didn't get thrown into a furnace of fire. She didn't build a boat and survive a flood, and God was working behind the scenes for her the entire time. Now, What's crazy is God didn't only just redeem the characters of Ruth. He also used them to impact all of Israel. And you may be asking, well, how'd they impact all of Israel? This is amazing. Ruth and Boaz had a baby boy named Obed. And then Obed grew up and had a baby named Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. Now, 
not just any ordinary David, but King David, okay? The David who was the second king of Israel, chosen by God, a man after God's own heart. God used a poor widow from a hated nation to bless her mother-in-law, the entire nation of Israel, and the whole world through her descendants. And what's even more amazing is out of the lineage of David came Jesus Christ. So, God used Ruth, a hate from a hated nation who was a nobody to have children to be passed down to the lineage of Jesus Christ. I know so many of my girlfriends are not happy in the season that they're in. You know, if you're a stay at home mom, it's easy to feel like you're nobody and you're not making a difference. Ruth was just a poor woman who went to gather grain in a field and had babies and stayed at home. And God used her, okay? You don't have to have a big title or an amazing job or even go to school to make a difference, okay? You can make a difference in the season that you're in right now, wherever you are. God can use anyone for his purposes and wants to use you just like he used Ruth, amen? Now, even though God never speaks in Ruth, there's never a verse that God speaks. He was working behind the scenes to redeem his people the entire time, okay? You may be feeling like Ruth and Naomi this morning. You may have lost all hope. You may think that your situation will never get better. Maybe you've um, been spending all week and weekend in Moab. Maybe you feel like your marriage is falling apart, or maybe you're bitter about a divorce, or maybe you have lost a loved one, or maybe the devil is constantly attacking your mind. I want to encourage you to come back to Bethlehem, okay? Jesus was willing to pay the price. He was our kinsman redeemer. The fourth requirement is they had to be willing, and Jesus was willing with his life, okay? He shed blood for us, just like the song says this morning, that he is waiting with open arms for you. He is waiting for you to come back. Now, I hope through this story you are encouraged to walk by faith. I hope you're encouraged to seize the opportunity God places before you and to be faithful to God and stay in Bethlehem. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you encourage us this week, Lord. I pray that you encourage us to stay in Bethlehem, Lord, and that when we're tempted to go to Moab, Lord, that you bring us back to Bethlehem, Lord. I pray that you... Uh, encourage us to walk by faith and that we seize the opportunities that you place before us and that we stay faithful to you this week, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.